Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I'll never forget the moment I looked down at the dash of the minivan and the speedometer was reading twice the legal speed limit. <laughs> Is that your way of saying delicately we were going 100 miles per hour? We weren't going like 20 no, miles per hour. We were going down the highway really, really fast. Oh, probably and the fastest you've ever driven. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But we had a really good reason. <laughs> I wasn't even worried when I passed by two police officers that were parked. I think they were chit-chatting. Uh, if they had pulled me over, I would have really quickly got them to let us go because you were in the back of the minivan and you were in labor. It was our third child. Yeah, so we've we've been through this before. Yeah, we were having not a baby. newbies by any stretch of the imagination. But things were different with this birth than the previous two. Our son came super slowly. It took our a long born. time, a day, 24 hours. Yeah, uh, our daughter, I would say reasonable. Yeah, not, not quite as long as he did. She was six hours. She yeah. was great. Our third was fast and furious. I feel like it was a lovely birth. I think this is the funniest thing about her birth story is how different of a story it is when I tell it versus when you tell it. When you talk about our third daughter who was, spoiler alert, born in the back of a minivan, uh, for you it's one of your, it's a story of... Uh, it was organic. It just happened. It was fast and very easy to handle. I I wasn't. It it was so nice. I hate long labors. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a long labor. It was not a long labor. No. Um, but when I tell that story, I was very much in control. So I never felt out of control. So on one hand, you're flying down the highway. I was in the back just having a baby <laughs> and that might be the biggest difference I felt extremely out of control because I was driving the vehicle <laughs> I was in control of the vehicle but I was I didn't feel like I didn't think feel like things were going according to plan I didn't want to have a baby in the van I wanted to have a baby at the birth center 
Right, that was the plan. And that is not what happened. Number three, uh, we'll never forget, we were driving past a shopping center that I actually worked in. We, we used to do snow plowing. Exit 6, Danbury, Connecticut. Yeah. Burlington Coat Factory. Shout out to the North Street Shopping Center. <laughs> I spent years and years of my life plowing this shopping center. We were driving right by it. And I remember, hands on the wheel, I was telling you, don't push, babe. Don't push. Because I could tell things were getting really, really close. And that's when I heard it. I heard a baby crying and I said, don't push. And I said, the baby's here. She was out, she was born. Having a baby born in the car, I feel like set the tone for every single birth after that. And if you don't know, we have six kids, so that would be three more births. I feel like it changed me and you. I know it changed me a lot. Yeah. You felt scared by it. Yeah. Like, look at this. This can happen at any, at any time. A baby can just come out. <laughs> Whereas I felt awesome. Like, I don't need anybody else to get this baby out. I, I don't even have to be, like, in a house, in a bed, <laughs> in, a, in a tub. I can be in the backseat of a van flying down the highway, and I can have a baby. Those feelings, feeling awesome, feeling worried, I feel like that mix shaped what is this birth of our number six, which... That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode of Homesteady. We had a home birth for the first time ever. And now we're doing our first ever podcast video about our birth. So we're back. You took a two-month maternity leave. Almost to the day our baby just turned Just so you know, I'm still old. on maternity leave. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to take a year. Um, we're doing the podcast, though. We are not live So streaming. I get paid double for these episodes, right? Yes, there's definitely a baby bonus. Nice. It Does it have four legs? Oh, you want another cow, don't you? You were <laughs> cow shopping before the show. <laughs> Push present. If you liked watching our live streams, unfortunately, we're not going to be live streaming for the near future because we have a baby. Anything can happen while we're doing this show. So we won't be doing a live stream, but for the rest of you, we are doing podcasts again. Welcome to the podcast. If you're watching the video version of this on YouTube... We will be playing these video versions, just not live. So I hope you enjoy watching them. Today's episode, home birth, and how you convinced me, the, the universe convinced me to do this, and how it went. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, 
Shop MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. That was a big step. You getting comfortable enough to have a home birth because after number three, number four, and number five, both were hospital births. Yeah. Those were my first two hospital births. The first two I had in a birth center, third one in the car, four and five hospital. This is probably a good spot to do our disclaimer. You've had every kind of birth except for a C-section, mm. right? So you've had at home, in car, birth center, hospital, natural, unmedicated, and epidural. epidural. We're going to talk about your story, my our story today. Yeah, this is about us. This is not a criticism of what anybody else does. But... I think you and I both believe strongly that the medical system does need to improve how they're handling women and birth. I started kind of down this track. I stumbled into this way of thinking. I mean, you know me, I'm kind of like a, I never trust the medical system. I never trust, I'm not a big truster of authority as it is, right? Yes, that is that is what you have become. <laughs> but when it comes to birth, being your husband, um, feeling a little bit out of touch with the whole birth process, I feel like naturally I have been more of a worrier and relied on the traditional medical system to be my safety net. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure there's the doctor there and all the stuff that is there to protect us and make sure everything goes smoothly. It wasn't until I listened to a podcast. I've talked about the survival podcast before, Jack Spierko's show. Uh, A big fan of Jack's show. We'll have a link to this episode in the show notes. Uh, Jack was interviewing Ashley Schneese, who is a doula and a nutritionist, uh, registered dietitian nutritionist. And the topic they were talking about was birth. And that episode, they were talking about birth freedom. It was just I was... I think a few months pregnant. Yeah, and I would have never even listened to this episode. It wouldn't have been something that got my attention. I would have skipped it. But because you were pregnant, we were going to have a baby. I thought, oh, you know what? Yeah, we've had five. I know everything there is to know about birth. But uh, you can always learn a little something. So let me listen in. What then is the alternative? What really do we mean when we say birth freedom? Birth freedom should be true informed consent right to informed refusal, no coercion, and having in my personal experience. So I didn't have a doula for my first birth. I had a doula for my second birth. And the difference in experience was really astounding. And the reason that I said I need to do this for other women. So having a third-party representative walk next to you through this journey that one of the things that really stood out to me in this interview Ashley talked about the cascade of interventions how in a medically controlled environment like a hospital with a doctor a uh, what do you call the birth obstetrician obstetrician or even with some midwives in in the hospital uh, there's these interventions that they do 
just routinely that wind up causing more interventions and cause what could have been a unmedicated natural birth to wind up being a C-section or, or, you know, involving a lot more hands-on activity from the, the doctors. And I remember as she was talking about this cascade of interventions, thinking back on both of our, our number four and number five boys who were born. We had number four and five were both boys. Those births, unlike number two and number three, took a lot longer and wound up not being in a birth center, not being unmedicated. They were both in a hospital with an epidural. And what was the, what was the similar thing with both of them? Yeah, what made those two wind up in a hospital with an epidural where your first three were unmedicated in a birth center or in a car? And I realized, I think the difference was I took a lot more control because I was worried we were going to have another baby in the car. I was worried about your well-being. I don't want my wife giving birth in a car. I want a professional there to take care of her. If anything should go wrong, any problems, I want the doctors, the midwives right there. I was terrified of having another baby in a car. And I let you take the control or I gave gave you that option because you matter to me. Oh, let's see. <laughs> and I wanted you to feel comfortable. This is an experience we're both going through. It's obviously more painful for me, but you're involved in That's it. That's debatable. And I wanted you <laughs> uh, to be happy and comfortable with the decisions we were making. So yeah, number four, we, I felt contractions and right away you're like, is it time to go? Are you ready to go? Should we go? Let's go. Let's call our friend. She can watch the kids. She'll meet us there. Yeah. It was like, it, it amped up the stress right away. Yeah. I printed out pictures of the words, having baby, please move. And I taped those all around our vehicle. And I even printed two of them in reverse. Like an ambulance. Like an ambulance. Yeah. Put them on the bumper so people looking in their rearview mirror would read, having baby, please move. And there was some traffic going into the hospital. It, yes. It was... Like the morning kind of rush hour traffic, late morning. And you were flying down the highway. All <laughs> I wasn't going one twenty this time. Three lanes of traffic, beeping your horn, just point you were like leaning out the window, pointing to the sign, we're having a baby, get out of the way. <laughs> I was so like mortified by this. You were more scared. It was very unnecessary. Yeah, it was super Like, I'm barely contracting. I'm sitting there in the front seat, like, trying to act like it's worse than it is because all these people are going to be looking at me, making <laughs> sure I'm in labor, so I better look like I'm in labor. But it just was not urgent. No. The birth was not imminent. <laughs> and we got to the hospital too early. To the birth center. Oh, right. We got to the birth center too early. We wound up going we to went Starbucks. Back. Didn't we go back home? Yeah. And then again, it was, then you had me back up to the birth center. We went to Starbucks. Yeah, like I was feeling fine enough to go into Starbucks and like, let's try to eat something. Yeah. Then we parked in a parking lot in, in Danbury so I could lay down in the back a little bit and try to rest. But who wants to uh, like, is there lay a worse down in a parking lot? In spot? <laughs> yeah, then to try to relax and labor than in the back of a car in a parking lot in the middle of Danbury. Yeah, no, definitely there is yeah, nothing Yeah, it was not. <laughs> Not a comfortable, relaxing experience. Not. And when you talk about birth, many proponents of like natural birth, uninterrupted birth, look at cats. What does your cat do 
to go have kittens. It's at night, she picks a spot in a closet under a bed where it's dark and it's quiet and nobody interrupts her and she has her babies. Yeah. So yeah, the the number four and number five were kind of the opposite of that quiet, uninterrupted. It was, number five proceeded similarly. It was rush to the hospital, be in the hospital, and wait. Number four was 16 hours, right? So so just to get a, a spectrum here, your first birth was 24 hours. Your next one was six at the birth center, not rushed, not pressured by me. Number three took three hours and it happened in the van. Number four, when I started pushing you, come on, we gotta go, gotta go, back, forth, back, forth, all this interruption, you went from three hour birth to 16 hour birth. And then number five, you went from, again, 16 hours. 16 to hours. 20. Plus, it was almost a full day. Almost, yeah. Almost a full day. I, listening to this show, I realized what changed was me and how we handled these last two and they got longer and listening to Ashley talk about the cascade of intervention I realized I kind of started those cascades it was my fault and so for number six I decided you know what hmm, here's a cool idea let the woman (laughs) listen to her body let her be in control And you asked me, I remember we were in the bedroom, you said, if I would support you, would you have a home birth? Yeah. And I said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted a home birth. Yeah. I chose not to with the first uh, because I hadn't had a baby before, wasn't quite sure. It was nice to have the safety net. But at this point, I knew after Van Baby, (laughs) (laughs) I could have a baby and I didn't need anybody. Yeah. Now... We could hire a midwife to have a home birth, but to be at home, this was like a dream of mine, to have a baby, to be at home, to not have to go anywhere, no car ride during contractions, no birth center stay, no getting back into the car and coming back home after you have a baby, to just have Mm. a baby, be in your bed, and to just be home. One of the hardest times, I think, for you is always after the birth, and that idea of not being interrupted in the hospital every hour they're coming in and checking on you waking you back up you start drifting off there hey we got to check your this got to check your that um so yeah that idea of like being home and just resting and being with your baby it it sounded very nice i was still not super comfortable with the idea but i did realize my decisions in the past had not led to a better um and when i say better i mean they had not led to a... Like ideal. What you wanted. I mean, yeah. you wanted a shorter labor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody ever. You don't want a 16 or 20 plus hour labor. You no. want a six or a three hour labor. And my fifth labor was very mild, very easy. But I think you saw in the hospital how much they push the process along because I wasn't having hard contractions, but I was progressing. But they kept suggestion, suggesting, like, oh, we could break your water. If you, if you want to be done in an hour, let's break your water. Yes. So when you're laboring for almost a day, 
and you're worried, you know, your kids are being watched, your farm's being watched, you kind of already feel the pressure of like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Come on, baby, come on out. And somebody says, hey, you can be done in an hour. Don't forget, I could break your water. You could be done already. It's just these little nudges that are given that do interfere with the way your body's processing this birth. You did a lot of research before this about just the body's natural sequence of birth, right? And how it works and what helps things progress. And explain a little bit to someone who doesn't know about the cascade of intervention, how that interrupts this net. What's the natural progression supposed to look like? And then how does that change with interruptions? It's all your hormones and the way they're working and your comfort level, how you feel secure. Your body knows what to do. But when you start doubting it when it becomes mentally your hormones are being interrupted somebody starts introducing fear into that it totally inhibits the hormones from doing what they're supposed to be doing they'll say the first intervention is leaving your house so already taking that step you're messing with your hormones because you're in your safety zone you're in your safety zone that's where you're comfortable that's where you're going to feel the most comfort is at home with one person, how you made the baby, how you should birth the baby. Yeah. Same situation. Yeah, very intimate setting. Now, again, we're talking here, this is a generality. This is not everybody is going to be able to have this kind of birth. Yeah. We'll, this just applies to the entire show. There are people who have had traumatic birth experiences. And if, if this show might trigger that, there's nothing wrong with saying, sure, I have a live baby, but I had a traumatic birth experience and getting some help processing that. So it's a good time to say, you know, if you have had a traumatic birth experience, maybe don't listen to this episode and instead get some help to process that. And I also just want to mention, we also understand, obviously, in this episode, we're talking about what we liked about this home birth experience, but it it is certainly not going to be everyone who can have a home birth. Right. There are legitimate reasons why certain people should not do this. Um, whether the amount of home birth that could happen out there could be more, we get it. If, if somebody back home is watching and saying, hey, I had this issue, I had to go to the hospital. Again, we're not judging. This is just our story yeah. we're sharing. So you leave your house, you get to the hospital, they triage you, right? They're checking you. So... Internal exams, not going to be comfortable. Cold rooms, it's like all, you're around strangers. You're having things stuck up inside you that make you feel uncomfortable. There's pain involved. There's fear involved. There's lights. There's cold. It's, that's it. All the, the whole time you're interrupting your body's natural progression and making it hard and harder. And in and, and the hospital, then you know you're on that, that time. They want to see this much progression, this quickly. They're going to get you in there. So they, they're going to want to see this progress. And if you're not, they're going to do things to make it progress. Even in a birth center where you're dealing with midwives, I remember from our very first birth being told our time limit. Because they're tied into the hospital. So they still have to follow hospital policies. The minute you have that time limit... Your water breaks, they want to see you start making this progression to have this baby. And if you're not making progression at these even amounts of time, 
that's when they're going to say, well, why don't we help move this along? Right. Why don't we give you a shot of Pitocin? Why don't we break your water? Why don't we do these things? And we have experienced these in our, in our number four and number five boys. We had lots of interventions that wound up with you, long labor, and an epidural. I think with the last, our, our baby number five, you saw clearer than you ever had the, the interference and how it affected me. Yeah. And even what happened to you, you wanted to catch the baby. Oh, yeah. And what did they say? It, For the first time. I wasn't allowed to. Right? The first time. Yeah. They said no. At the birth center, when our son and our first two daughters were born, they had no problem. Yeah, you can catch the baby. That's part but of But I caught number two and three. <laughs> I was at least allowed to. You could have, yeah. Number four, I, I didn't. You even, got, I wasn't even asking permission. I was just saying, oh, I'd like to hold, catch the baby. And they let you. That was uh, Kathy. Right. Number now, four. No, I'm talking about number five. Five. Right. Yeah. When we moved to Pennsylvania. We had it yeah, at the hospital. At the hospital. And I said, in their like birth catch, center. At the hospital, I said, I'd like to catch the baby. Oh no, you can't. Which is bizarre because they had a student midwife there who was all messing stuff up, like oh, painful yeah. exams, couldn't stitch. And she was allowed to do everything, but it's your baby and you weren't allowed to catch him. Yeah, they told me I couldn't catch the baby. And that's, it's little things like that that start to get our hair up because oh, whose yes. baby is this? It's our baby. We're going to the hospital to get some help. We're going to midwives or obstetricians to get some help. But it's, it's our always baby. been midwives. We've always seen midwives. So we yeah. were working in the hospital with midwives. Right. And when you asked to catch the baby, they told you no. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't like that. That was just another little chip leading us in this direction. So you asked me if I would want a home birth, and I said yes. <laughs> and that was the first time I think you actually seriously considered having a home birth. And that day I was like, I got a midwife. She's coming here this week. <laughs> I couldn't go back. <laughs> She's coming tomorrow. <laughs> Got to interview a midwife. So we did. We found a midwife who would come to our house and... And it's not easy in Pennsylvania. They're, uh, the laws in PA are kind of funny with midwives. It's a very large Amish and Mennonite population, and I think for that reason, they, the, the lay midwives are pretty unregulated. So it's all legal stuff. Every state has different legal requirements for midwives. Right. We found a midwife who would come out to the house... We met with her. She had a packet of information, and we talked to her a little bit. Said, "Okay, we honestly didn't have a whole lot of choice. No, you know, only so much circumference." Yeah, she already was, I think, big. two hours away. And I think we had two options of who, who could actually make the drive here. We met with her. We were like, "Okay, this will work." Um, she handed us a big packet of information, and I remember flipping through it and seeing, you know, just. Some random information, I positions, medications, stuff you could take, supplements. And I remember one part, one section in her packet that was called, like, what to do when, when the baby arrives before the midwife. <laughs> and that's when it kind of got real to me. Oh, man, this is different. Midwife is driving to our house. She's two hours away. She wants us to be prepared to deliver a baby if she isn't there on time. And that kind of sunk in, wow, we, for me, it was like, I need to mentally be ready for you to deliver this baby in our home with no 
professional help. That definitely was a frightening idea for me, <laughs> being the warrior that I am. Um, but it's something I just had to come to terms with. Yeah. Part of what we were signing up for. Isn't it true, though, that it's something you got to come to terms with no matter what? Yes. Like, if you think you're heading to the hospital and there's a blizzard, guess what? Maybe you got to deliver this baby at home. That's the lesson I should have got from our, our baby number three van birth. Right? I should have come home with the lesson of, oh, Sometimes you can't avoid it. come when they're ready, so be ready. Mm -hmm. Right? Preparation. I was listening to another episode of Jack Spierko's show today, actually, and it was called uh, The Responsibility of Being Prepared. And he was talking about how being prepared is a responsibility as an adult. To be prepared as an adult, as a parent, it's your responsibility to be ready for these situations. And I thought about this episode today and what we were talking about and thinking, yeah, if you're pregnant and you're seven, eight months pregnant, you, it, you are as the adult, you need to take the steps to know that should it happen sooner than you expect, you're ready. Yeah. Be prepared. <laughs> we ended up hiring our midwife when I was well into my second trimester. So we had time was ticking. We saw her once and then another visit. Everything was going well. I went and got a gestational diabetes screening because I could. I was working with our hospital midwives just getting all the testing that I was used to getting with the other pregnancies. And I tested as... Potentially, I had gestational diabetes. That was new for us. We've that never was new, dealt yeah. with that before. Getting older, I guess. <laughs> that's what we thought. Like, all right, well, you're getting older, so yeah. maybe that's what's going on here. Yeah. Instead of taking the traditional test, so it kind of the first test kind of flags you like maybe you've got this. The second one will really pinpoint it down. I I opted to do a week long of testing my own blood sugar. I feel like it's more accurate to test on a diet that I'm actually eating rather than a big, big, yeah, sugar shock on an of, empty stomach. Yeah, sugar. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, we were coming into cold and flu season. With, yeah, with know, COVID, COVID and, and everything. That. I didn't want to keep going out. Yeah, we just wanted to, as little as possible, be in the hospital. Yeah, and I have no problem sticking my finger for a week in testing. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. So I, they sent me the meter. They said, here, this one, your insurance will cover this meter. It, Here's it this has meter. an app and everything, and you can connect it so the doctors there can see it. Yeah. And we thought, great, cool. We'll use that meter. Let's do this. Yeah. So we started testing. It. I started testing. I used the meter. I was eating pretty low carb. I went back to even less carbs. You tried really hard to control this with diet. You were limiting your carbs consumption, really trying to monitor when you ate, how you ate. But it kept coming up that I had high numbers, high fasting numbers, high yeah. fasting numbers every morning, high, high. Now, high. not super high. No, if like you look barely at the spectrum, high. <laughs> you know, just to give you an idea, above ninety, right, is technically high, and you were getting some days you'd get a ninety-two, you'd get a ninety-five, other days you get a hundred and twenty, but. It was kind of like fluctuating. All yeah, over and the I would place. test again, and then then it would be low again. So it was it was just over the level, but they saw that and said you're high. You need to go on insulin. So I was on insulin, and we had another consultation with the the uh, the gestational diabetes nutritionist at the hospital, just to try to figure out what was going on because my sugar was now too low on the insulin. Right. 
And I remember one of the things that came up in the discussion, because you were getting these kind of weird 20, readings. 20, 30 point difference in the same, you know, two drops of blood one minute apart. They'd be totally crazy readings. She told us. What, you know, she asked us, what are you using for testing? Okay, the one that the hospital provided. She said, well, that's actually known to be a very inaccurate reader. Why don't you try this other brand, which you can... Super cheap off the shelves at Walmart, which I already happen to have. (laughs) So we were like, sure, we have it. We gave it a shot. And sure enough, that showed complete opposite. I stopped the insulin, tried the other meter, and my numbers were great. I took a couple of days and I sent the screenshots to the the experts and she said, you know what, keep doing what you're doing. The numbers look great. So we're thinking, great, no problem. Let's keep going with our plans. But that's not what happened. Because I was on insulin and during those, I think, 10 days I was on insulin, uh, we talked to the midwife to see if there was uh, anything else we could do to manage this. How should we handle it? And she said, well, you're on insulin now, so I can't see you anymore. And she fired us. So our deposit, all the money we had spent towards this that our insurance didn't cover, doesn't cover a midwife, was gone. And we were without a midwife. And also didn't have gestational diabetes after all. No insulin. I, I didn't need insulin anymore. My blood sugar was great. I did not have gestational diabetes, according to the blood sugar that we were seeing. But my midwife would not take me on. No birth center would have me, and no midwives in the area would see me as well. This was a really frustrating time in this whole pregnancy because when you make a mental decision like, I'm going to have a baby at home. You do have to convince, I know I did, I had to convince myself this is the right decision. This is a better decision for us. And so I had to look at the pros and cons and say, these things I don't want to happen. And if we have the baby at home, they won't happen. So let's have the baby at home. And suddenly it was, oh no. Yeah. What What are we going to do? We We had to switch our mind to now we have to have a hospital birth. Because no one else will see us. And I have a whole list of things like, okay, these are things we have to ask our hospital midwife at the next time that are important to us. Because now we have the label of insulin dependent on gestational diabetes, which means blood testing for the mother during labor and delivery and after, and then blood testing for the baby. And you know, in a hospital, who knows where that goes? Oh, baby looks a little lethargic. Let's take them to the NICU. Let's give them some formula. I don't want formula. Start trying to get colostrum out. Well, you don't have colostrum. It's cascade. Cascade all over. A cascade. Again. So, so this this is what I wanted. I didn't want any med students. I didn't want any. I um, I wanted minimal interruptions. Everybody whispering. This is all this stuff. Like, okay, in order to assist my body to have a good labor and delivery, these are the things I know are important. Physiologically. I mean, the beautiful thing, you'd had five children, and you could look back and say, when you had them at a birth center or in the back of a van, which is also dark and quiet, um, when you have darkness, when you have quiet, your midwives at the birth center back in Connecticut, one of them sat in the corner (laughs) 
on her phone. She, she was great. The whole she time. She didn't do a thing, which I was the, great. I, at the time, was like, what are we paying her for? She was just sitting on her phone. But that was what her style was, like, hands yeah, off, let, let, let you, you do you your thing. I'm just here if you need me. And looking back, that was awesome. That worked great. So you could say, like, you know, when I have quiet, when I have dim lights, I have a quick labor, a smooth labor. But it's a hospital. So there's constant interruptions. Oh, they need yeah. lights. There's monitors. They got to monitor you. And now they gave me this label. They won't take that label away, even if it wasn't right. So now I'm going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight on my, what is probably our last baby. Yeah. We're going to have to fight every step of the way to get the birth that we would like. And I remember you like pep talking me, like reminding me, you're gonna need to be my confidant or my um, yeah, what champion. You're gonna need to be my champion. You're gonna, and I'm, I don't love confrontation. I'm not like a super like, rah, rah. so I was like, okay, how do I, I'm gonna look at these doctors and these midwives I'm gonna have to you know, know my stuff and be able to talk with authority. And we had a chance to do that when we did the uh, the video call with the midwife to kind of go over to let her know, hey, my numbers look great. I don't have gestational diabetes. I'm not on insulin anymore. How will this affect our birth? Um, these are the things we'd like to do. We started down our list. You know, this is important to us. This is important to us. This is important to us. I want to catch the baby. We want the lights Minimal mon monitoring. You don't want to be on this or that. And you don't want these shots given to you. Yeah. All evidence-based things that are shown to benefit your birth. Right. We told her that the last birth, Austin was allowed to catch the baby. There were things that happened we didn't like. Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Okay. Well, we'd like minimal interventions this time. And she said, well, you want to work along with the doctors because if not, they can refuse to provide you with care. And we were like, after that call, you are threatening us to not care for us if we don't go along with what you want and how you think it should be. It absolutely felt like a threat. It was with a smile. She's midwife. She's got the bandana. She's very crunchy. But it was, and it wasn't coming necessarily from her. No. She was just warning us, hey, you know, I know you guys have this ideal in your mind, and I appreciate that, but we do have to make sure we're cooperative with upstairs, otherwise they can refuse you. Which, I mean... Whether or not it was from her, whether or not it's what she wanted to say, the fact that management there was saying, hey, you're going to do it our way or you're not going to be here. These are our hospital policies, which are not rules. So if there's a hospital policy, if you're going to give birth that you don't want to do, you have the right to say no. They have to inform you that these are your options. You have the right to consent or the right to refuse. And it really was made to seem like we had no right to refuse. Yeah, no, we had to, or like pick our battles because if we get too difficult, they won't want to work with us. And we were... And I think both of us at that moment thought, no, <laughs> no, I refuse to work with you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I quit. I quit. You don't fire me, I quit. I quit you. Because that's, <laughs> that's my right. Did. And that's that's our right. Absolutely. They're working for us. Yeah. We're not working for them. So we did. 
we quit that hospital. We said we're not working with if that's the way this is going to go. Why why are we going to drive an hour away? Yeah. To a hospital where we're going to have to fight every step of the way for what we'd like. So, of course, we still needed to figure out what are we going to do? Should we give birth in a hospital? Uh, we started looking at local hospitals and finding a place very close by to where we live where you know what? Since that other place isn't operating, even though it's got midwives, it's not doing anything to match us. No. This place is close. It's fine. We yeah. can go there. Yeah. And at the same time, we have a Mennonite friend of ours who's a midwife. She's had nine babies of her own. And in the Mennonite com community around here, she is everyone's midwife. She really gave us, I think, confidence to be able to stay home and labor for until we knew we were close to having the baby, so we didn't have to rush off and do anything. She gave us tools that we needed to labor at home, and if the baby came super fast, like number three did, we felt confident to be able to handle it. Yeah. Because she was close. If we needed her, she said we could call her. Yep. And having her there, knowing we could get to our local hospital very quickly, we decided to put together a really good plan for laboring at home, uh, this was advice that went as far back as our first birth. I remember our midwife at the birth center in Connecticut told us, you really want to labor at home as long as, as long possible. As long you can. So, you know, try to get yourself uh, as far as you can at home. And now we had a really good idea of what that looked like. So you put together a really good plan for us. Very comprehensive. <laughs> Very comprehensive. Because... <laughs> because you need... I needed to have an undisturbed laboring time and my husband has a tendency to ask a lot of questions you put together and i loved this you were like i'm you warned me you're like i'm gonna put together a binder <laughs> it's not because i think you're stupid <laughs> but i don't want you to worry and i don't want you to ask me a hundred questions i did not so you put together a birth binder yeah, there's no label on it. I didn't get that fancy. <laughs> but I stuck it on your desk and I said, read through this. This is everything we need to know. And just to give you an example, I mean, you really, really went into detail here. You coached me. It's cool because you wrote this ahead of time and you coached me knowing me, how I am as a worrier, knowing what I'd be wondering. You wrote little notes in this to me. So like, here we go. I'll just give you a segment. Uh, early labor. Contractions are manageable, easy to talk through and between. So I would know, okay, that's where we're at. Keep yourself busy. That's, <laughs> that's him. That's me. It's not me. <laughs> I was talking to Austin there. Uh, get the animals outside ready for the week. Set out round bales, fill water, etc. <laughs> Keep the kids busy. Feed them. <laughs> Lord knows they won't let you forget that. Later in labor, keep peeing. <laughs> was that that for was me? for me. <laughs> but I'm sure you could use that advice too. I may want to keep kids away. Yes. Keep calm. That was for you. Uh, I've done this five times already. I can do it again. Little notes like that. I remember reading during your labor and it hitting me like, okay. Yeah, she's like, you were talking to me and you couldn't talk to me during this time. <laughs> well, I didn't want to. I yeah. could talk. Yeah. But I remember reading it and just, okay, good. Okay, keep calm. And then and then when I'd worry, okay, what? remind me to pee every half hour. Okay. Uh, have you peed? 
Okay. I don't think you ever asked me that, actually. I know, actually. I did forget to remind you. Because I was, I was fine doing that on my own. It was, like, I, I have done this five times. I, I'm confident. I'm in control. I can do this. That's how I was feeling going into this. Like, I can labor at home for as long as I need to. I started having contractions at a bit about midnight and I got up they weren't too bad got up went back to bed got up again I don't think you even woke up you were you were sleeping soundly it's uh, for the best yes it is finally you came out and I was just kind of pacing having contractions nothing too nothing too strong though you made sure the lights were dim. Oh yeah, I couldn't. In the the more the hours went, so uh, at one a.m. I could have the TV on, watching a little Gordon Ramsay do something. I don't know. <laughs> then I turned that off. I could have it on pause. Then I needed the TV turned off. And then all the lights turned off. And then even the little lights on the electronics in the closet, I needed to have them covered. Yeah. It was candlelight. Just and then I just we just had candlelight. It was amazing like recognizing that this is what I needed. Cause I expected to need it, but then to actually realize I did need it was cool. Yeah. So then, yeah, at, at, then by 3 a.m., it was just candlelight. Everything we were doing by candlelight. You <laughs> set out a little bit of food, so I was munching on a couple bites of this, kept sipping orange juice or having drinks of water. I was trying to not interrupt you. I was trying not to be too hands-on, so I started organizing. You were following me, remember? And I was like, you don't have to follow me yet. I was like creeping. <laughs> yeah, do, it was do, too much. I was like, you could, I said, you can go into your office and, and work if you want remember that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I went and did a little work. And then I started, as we got closer, I, I opened up all the supplies, you know, all the different tinctures, all the different supplements, the teas and the drinks, the candles, the warm blankets, the gauze pads, anything we might need as we came closer. Uh, you had everything prepared. You were prepared to have, if this baby was going to be born at home, we had everything we needed. And I remember I unpacked it all by candlelight with your binder open, coaching me through this. You had read this previously, right? Yes. Before I started having directions. I actually finished the binder, not when you were in labor, but, but that day. Two hours before, <laughs> that had, night. I you think hadn't you shown were. signs. You weren't like entering labor. We were 38 and a half weeks. And I was just like, I better finish that binder up. <laughs> All my babies have been born at 39 weeks. We were 38 weeks, three days. Yeah, I figured we so were So we weren't close. to 39 yet. And so I'd read through it, just finished it right at the buzzer there. <laughs> I'm always, always a procrastinator, always, even with childbirth. So you're following me. I said, go to your office. And then you came out again, and I started asking you to, could you just rub my back a little bit? Yeah. Do you remember I walked outside? I, like, wanted to go for a it walk. Was 19 degrees It was out. the middle of the night. I really had this fantasy of, like, going for a walk around the field. But it was 3 a.m., and it was freezing it was so outside. Cold. It was a full moon, wasn't it? It was 
beautiful, yeah, but cold. It was. So, so I walked cold. out to the barn. I did a couple of circles, and then I walked back inside, frigid. Yeah. Shivering. So I got into a hot bath. Yep. You took a hot bath. Stayed in there for about five minutes. Yep. <laughs> got out. You came out. Tried doing a little bit of back massage. Uh, a couple things I had read in the. Uh, oh you know, yeah, a Bradley. Bradley book about massage and. Oh, they just didn't. It wasn't. I was like, "Stop! You. Stop! It's hurting! You're hurting! Stop hurting me!" That really tugs at your heart when your wife, who's already in labor, you're trying to help, and she says, "You're hurting me." <laughs> like, I'm worse than labor. <laughs> awesome. Austin, worse than labor. Anytime, babe. Anytime. <laughs> so, at that point, you're getting closer. Now we don't know this. We no. don't know. We're not. I mean, your last two births were 16 and 20 plus hours mm-hmm. so i'm thinking to myself it's 4 a.m you've been laboring for four hours yeah i'm thinking like i i don't want to have this baby in the daylight but we're getting close to daylight dawn's coming yeah it's like but i don't know how much longer i can go thing like if you've had a baby before you know what that means as soon as you start saying like i don't know how much longer i can do this that's transition you're like almost there it still didn't feel like it didn't feel imminent yeah no there were no signs no especially to like i know and what signs do you want to see like (laughs) like water breaking right there wasn't that as a sign yeah the only clue like you said I'm going to open my binder again here. You started saying to me, you started saying to me, uh, help me, help me, I can't do this. And I remember reading in the binder, just hours previously, (laughs) in the transition section, you said, I'll feel afraid and like I can't do it. Encourage, you are safe, the baby is safe, and almost here. Listen to what your body is telling you to do. And when you told me, help me, honestly, I felt mad. I was like, I can't help you. Why are we here? I I can't do this. I can't help you. And then I remembered your coaching through our our binder. You remembered my binder. And I remembered, oh, I'm supposed to tell you. You are safe. The baby is <laughs> almost here. Listen to what your body is telling you to do. And Wait, that's what line. I did. <laughs> line. You that, are safe. I did it, and I did it in a much better, yeah, not you, I never got the... And that's what, um, the advice that you're given as far as being in labor. Make sure all your birth attendants are very confident in you and they just give you that uh, feeling of security and confidence and you did I never got the anger from you so that was good (laughs) and I thought in that moment when I was like I can't what I can't do this I need help I thought you know what maybe I'll try pushing I couldn't tell (laughs) who knows how dilated I was I can't tell try pushing Maybe, maybe the baby's ready to come out. You said, I think I'm going to try pushing. And, you know, the whole point of this is to listen to you, listen to your body. So, okay, we're at home. We're prepared. We have everything we need. The hospital is 
right down the road. But right now you're saying, I feel like I need to push. So instead of me doing what I had done previously, get in the minivan, we're going, we're getting out of here. Get I just said, okay, let me get the towels. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Dakova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I was on all fours in the living room floor, and I started pushing. Not knowing, not knowing, it's not a thing I'm thinking in my head, right? I'm not saying I am 10 centimeters. It is time to push. Right just my body saying and my brain thinking well maybe it's time to push and my body pushing yeah what <laughs> that's what i came back to i was like running over to get like towels and, and mats to cover the carpet with i i saw a head, little little head and i said I, I can see head i can see hair come on babe uh, i i felt the head so that's great when <laughs> you're like I'm going to push a baby out. Let's see if this baby's ready to come out. And you, there's a head. It's like, hallelujah. Like, this <laughs> really is happening. So I found her head. And then you you were I was, like, reaching down to yeah. catch. I put my hands down there. And you pushed them away. And I just, like, okay, respect. Give me your space. You pushed my hands away. Because learning about gestational diabetes, right? I, I did the deep dive when they told me I had it. And... The danger is you'll have a big baby. Your baby will get stuck, uh, shoulder dy dystocia. So uh, I studied that. Well, what, do, what does the hospital do? What do I do? What if we're having the baby because the baby's coming fast and the baby gets stuck? What do we do? I, I knew everything to do. Yeah. And the one key is don't mess with it. Yeah. The baby's head is born. Let the baby turn. Yeah. The baby turns, the shoulders come out. That's what is supposed to happen. And it's when you start trying to force it to happen that, that things can go wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I pushed your hands away. 
I said, don't touch it. <laughs> and gave another push and the baby came out. Yeah. And what did you say? You caught it. And I looked and I said, it's a girl. You did it. It's a girl. <laughs> you got your girl. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. It's a girl. Now she's here. I was amazed. You put so much preparation into this, so much work into this, so much time into this. You got everything we needed. You got me ready. You got you ready. It all built to this magic moment. And I remember just saying over and over, you're amazing. That was amazing. Watching you have your baby in your home, candlelight, by the fireplace, our little girl comes out and you just scoop her up and you hold her and she starts crying and it was amazing. <laughs> there she is, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's not the end. That's not the end of your birth, right? right? Then there's the part you worry about. Yeah, all the after stuff, any complications, bleeding. is there going to be bleeding, is there going to need there's stitching? Placenta. Uh, it's another, another time when your body is just perfectly prepared to deal with this. You've got extra blood from being pregnant. Now the time, the blood's starting to come out. Your body, uh, my body was con having contractions still, breastfeeding her within five, ten minutes. I had a, contractions and the placenta came out. All on its own. All on its own. Undisturbed. Yep, not yanked out. That was a big thing for me. I had read about giving birth to the placenta naturally. Instead of in the hospital, when you push your baby out, they give you a shot of Pitocin and they start pulling to, to make sure the placenta is detaching and they'll pull your placenta out. They're, they don't let you naturally birth your placenta. They don't give you the time to do that. And sometimes it can take an hour, sometimes six hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it was really important to me this time that I didn't get that preventative shot of Pitocin because that interferes with your own oxytocin production. It, it blocks your own oxytocin production from your brain. So that was another thing that they weren't willing to give me in the hospital that was important to me, uh, that we were able to have at home. And the keys are be quiet, keep it dark, keep the mother warm, don't ask any questions, don't weigh the baby, don't measure the baby, don't touch the baby, don't clothe the baby, don't put a hat on the baby. <laughs> The job in that moment is your body to produce those hormones to start cramping your uterus, to get the, pato to get the placenta out, to, to start the healing. And you need to just kiss your baby and mm. smell your baby. And so that's what we did. We kissed and I smelled her and, and the placenta came out and the bleeding was totally normal and manageable. That's one of those time periods where, again, I went back to the folder and just... Yeah, what did we have? You had a recipe for feel-good oxytocin. It was <laughs> it was fire, There it snacks, is. What did I say first the thing? Blankets. After the birth, breathe. We did it. 
Don't worry about the cord. Wrap K it with warm blankets. Make comfortable. Don't ask any questions. That's bold and highlighted. (laughs) Keep room dark and quiet and safe. Bring in warm cup of after labor tea with snack, chocolate toast, (laughs) etc. Chocolate toast. Period. Um, and then just, yeah, don't ask any more questions. Don't worry. When the placenta is born, there's a gush of blood. Don't let that worry you. Put it in a stainless steel bowl. I was, I've never been given the chance in all my other births to birth my placenta or have a natural oxytocin. I've always been given Pitocin because I'm pale. Like, I'm white. Mm-hmm. I am of... Uh, if you're listening in on the podcast. If you're listening in the podcast. My wife is pale. Of Irish and Scottish and German descent. I am a pale-skinned person. So my first birth, the midwife looked at me and she said she was worried about me. She thought I was losing too much blood because my skin was white. <laughs> <laughs> and so she gave me that shot of Pitocin. And so ever since then, we've been anxious about me bleeding after birth. So I've always gotten that that shot of Pitocin. The hospital, they don't even ask. They just give it to you. Once they see, hey, in the last birth this happened, they review your notes. Okay, well, we'll do it again. You got a shot of Pitocin every time. But I felt so confident after reading about just the natural process of birth that for, for a lot of women who are in a first world country, we have proper nutrition. If given the chance that we can birth our placentas on our own and not have uncontrolled bleeding. Now there is medicine that we have to control bleeding. There are things we can do that our Mennonite midwife taught us and had us prepared for if we had uncontrolled bleeding. And again, like we said, the hospital is right down the road. Yeah. If, if that is a problem, there we are. It was in our midwife, when the baby arrives before the midwife, our package of what to do as well. If you are having a baby, be prepared, but don't be scared. Okay, I'm gonna try. Hi. Oh, the baby just woke up. Hi. You want to be on your first podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Baby's first podcast. Yeah, outside, huh? Mm. She's she's been in here for a few she's inside. Been in, inside. To be able to birth my placenta and have that oxytocin natural was just one of the most amazing moments of my life which is bizarre to say when you think about it like I gave birth to a baby and that's incredible my six births have been just the highlights of my life but then to know my body works like I if I get cut I don't bleed to death (laughs) my body works and I saw it work perfectly I feel like that's one of the biggest things that we took away from this you kept saying it for days and days after is wow my body works it was so empowering and i don't think that the point of us sharing the story again it wasn't just to like convince you at home you need to have a home birth if you're gonna be having a baby but but just to show i don't think our modern medical system is made to empower us i don't think the first thing the doctors are concerned about is Let's make sure they have a great experience with us. Let's make sure that she feels 
like she's a powerful woman whose body was ready for this and did a great job. Because we've given birth this, the myth of the tragedy of birth, right? Like that birth is dangerous. That, yeah, it's an emergency. you need doctors. It's an emergency. Flash your lights, beep the horn, put the signs on your van because you've got to get to the doctor. He, he or he will she save will, save they you. will save you. They're the ones that are going to do this. You're just there. They're going to deliver the baby. But when you look at human history, that's pretty new. It's Yeah, that's been the, the minority can't have a baby. <laughs> or we wouldn't have so many people. <laughs> the majority of time, it's go as long as you don't have all this interference, your birth will go well. And if it's something that your body's designed to do it's ready and it works again not everybody's body works perfectly there's going to be no, the outlier there's, there's... but you are a perfect example of someone who's who when all that cascade of intervention was removed your body delivered this baby and as we were preparing for this episode i remember saying oh it's going to be nice to have her story there for you know her to go back and listen to and you said you know Actually, it's my story. She was born, you know, it's part of yeah. the history of her. But really, it's your story. With the kids, I all of their birth stories are special to me. Are you going to poop now? She's farting right now. Pooping right now. <laughs> yeah, this is my story, not yours. It's what I loved so much about our third birth. It's just, I did it my body my baby and i birthed i birthed her when i was 20 years old i needed brain surgery that started for me i had the brain surgery it was healed and the doctors after that surgery told me i would have to be on anti-seizure medication for the rest of my life yeah they wouldn't listen to me when i said I'd like to try not to be on it. They didn't give me that option. So I took myself off of it, which they tell you not to do. <laughs> and I didn't have a seizure. Uh, after that, we've seen how many times with our kids, doctors right away, put them on medication, put them on medication, that they haven't needed, yeah. and they've recovered from fine, or we found alternative things to do to solve the problem. The doctors, the midwives, they will, you are a patient to them. That's their work. Your experience will never mean as much to them as it does to you. Yeah. If something happens, your baby, because of the cascade of intervention, something happens to your baby to be in the NICU, something happens to you, you're the one that has to live with that forever. So it, it came down to us. It was our responsibility to make these decisions that were the best for us, for our family, for our baby. If you're listening, it doesn't matter if you're going to have a baby. It doesn't matter if you've already had babies. No matter what stage of life we're in, there's always going to be medical issues. You are, you need to take charge of your health. You need to be calling the <laughs> She's shots. still going. Oh my. And th I think this is a story of you. This is a story of you taking charge, 
and after you know a lifetime and a journey through all kinds of different births having this last birth be exactly what you've always wanted yeah us having the confidence to be able to say we can do this and knowing how to be prepared for it what <laughs> <laughs> Switch to daddy. Oh, look at that was an exploder. Got some poop on my hands. Boy, I timed that well. You sure did. I've got a feeling you passed that off knowing what was about to happen. I didn't. Right through. Oh, yeah. She needs a change now. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, We're back. We're going to be producing podcasts again. Got a little bit of new equipment, so if the show sounds different or looks different, that's why. We won't be live streaming like we said, but we are going to continue doing podcasts and video podcasts. Post-explosions and such. <laughs> Never know what's going to happen, so we can't do it live for at least the near future. As you can see by that post-explosion that we just had, um, we're not going to be doing any live streams for the po- video podcast that Kay and I sit down and record. But we are going to continue doing live streams with the Pioneers. We have a couple shows planned. When we have special guests come and do a show, we live stream those with Pioneers only. Pioneers get to ask questions of our special guests. We have an amazing show coming in the near future. We're going to start a brand new series, Homestead Smackdown. We're going to be comparing different breeds of livestock. We're going to have special guests to represent each livestock, and we're going to pit them against each other, see what is who's the winner. Our first episode of Homestead Smackdown is going to be Chickens vs. Ducks, starring John Siskovich and Morgan Gold from Goldshaw Farms. We're going to be seeing who is the winner, Chickens vs. Ducks. If you want to join us live for that, be there in the audience, get to ask our guest questions. Uh, you got to be Homesteady Pioneer. There's a link in the description below to become a Homesteady Pioneer if you're listening on the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click right there. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed Kay being back in the podcast. I know I sure did. And stay tuned because we got a lot of great episodes coming.